Well, hi, everybody. Question, how often do we sometimes disqualify ourselves from doing something great for God that we shouldn't disqualify ourselves for? I I know sometimes I wonder, do I have what it takes? Maybe you wonder that too. Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes uh, to do something great for God, to leave a mark in the world, Uh, just to make a difference in somebody's life, to bless somebody? Do I have what it takes? I've been asking myself that question lately. Uh, Some of you know that I uh, took a new position with the North American Mission Board. I'm still here at CBC as founding pastor, involved in leadership development, and still speak uh, on weekends like this. But um, with the North American Mission Board, I've got a job where I'm training church planters, guys starting new churches, and also training the trainers of church planters in places like Toronto, Montreal, New York, Baltimore, and Boston. And sometimes I wonder, do I have what it takes? Because I'm having to learn new software, new hardware, new systems. I don't know who's who and what's what. Plus, almost everybody that I work with is like significantly younger than me. And I'm like the dinosaur in the room. And I'm going, you know, do I have what it takes? Are these people going to be just like writing me off the whole time? Well, I don't want to let what I think could be a disqualifier too old to actually disqualify me from accomplishing some things that maybe God wants me to accomplish. So it's it's like a thing I, I need to fight. And I don't think I'm alone in the room with some kind of disqualifier. Probably everybody here has got things that you have identified as things that kind of might limit you or keep you from making your mark in the world from doing something for God. So I want us to make a big long list of disqualifiers, all right? I mean, you already heard me talk about uh, too old. (laughs) Uh, Maybe some of you are thinking, you know, too young. The Bible says uh, don't let anybody look down upon you for your youth because he's got great things he could do. So what, what are some of your disqualifiers? All right, too poor, not enough money. I'm too poor. What else? All right, uh, no time. And I heard somebody, I think, say knowledge. Not enough knowledge. Not enough knowledge about, like, the Bible. Let's see, can I remember how to spell knowledge? (laughs) English teachers, did I get it? Okay. All right. Thank you. What else? All right. Um, We could call doubt, call that doubt, no faith. All right. Not enough confidence. Yeah, not enough strength. Ooh, fear of retaliation. Retal, re, whoops, I misspelled that one. Retaliation. Um, okay, I heard somebody over here. What'd you say? Not good enough. All right, not good enough. Not good. <laughs> All right, now, come on, people. I can only write one thing at a time. All right, inexperience. I'll just, and, and somebody else said something that I missed. 
Little ones? Okay, I can't do that. My kids are too. Are your kids too young? <laughs> oh, grandchildren. All right, gotcha. All right, we could go on and on and on, right? I mean, this is a pretty jacked up group. You guys got a lot of disqualifiers. <laughs> We're going to be here a while today, people. Uh, <laughs> it, all those are, are excuses. Okay, write that down. <laughs> What we're doing today is we're going to take a look at a person in the Bible, a woman. Uh, she actually had two names in the Bible. Uh, the first one was Sarai, which means my princess. And then God gave her a new name, which is Sarah, which means princess of a multitude. And we're going to take a look at her life and look at the disqualifiers in her life. Uh, some of the stuff that's up there, you're going to see in her life. And uh, what's fascinating about her is like we read her story, the very first book of the Bible, but she also appears in uh, the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11, which people call the Faith Hall of Fame. And I just got to tell you, if I were writing the Bible, it's a good thing I didn't, but if I were writing the Bible, Sarah, because she's such a messed up person, maybe she should have been at the 11 o'clock service, uh, <laughs> She would have never been in my Faith Hall of Fame. But there she is in the Faith Hall of Fame. In fact, let me just read to you the verse that describes her. This is Hebrews 11, verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. There she is. She's with uh, Noah and Moses and uh, all these rock stars of the faith. And I'm going, man, I would never have put her in there because she is a messed up person. Well, let's just dig into just how messed up she is, okay? Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to see today five reasons why Sarah could have disqualified herself and then why she wasn't disqualified. And I hope here's the lesson you walk away with today. If... God did not disqualify Sarah, then God won't disqualify you. If God worked through messed up Sarah, then God can work through messed up you. Okay? Um, here's the first point. Even when we're small, God can send us. Even when we're small, God can send us. Now, we don't mean small in terms of physical stature here. We mean small in terms of insignificant or seemingly inconsequential. Look at verse uh, 1, Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and him that dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot, that's his nephew, went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and Abram took Sarah, his wife. Now, that's not an insignificant mention of her name, because she's a major part of the story. In fact, Abraham had other children, had other sons, we read later in the Bible. But the son that he wanted to use to bless the world was the son that he and Sarah 
would produce. So she's not insignificant, but she could have viewed herself that way because she lived in a patriarchal world. You know, where women were like to be seen and not heard. It was a man's world. The husband ruled. And so she's not uh, that important in the eyes of some, but she's very important in the eyes of God because God wanted to use her to bless the world. So when he sent Abram, he sent Sarah. Now, some of you in this room right here today, you feel like you're too small. You're too insignificant. You're not important. And that really, uh, in the big scheme of things, who am I? What, what do I have to offer? I'm like a nobody. And I just want to say, look, if God has left you here on this planet, which he has, he's left you here for a reason. Think about it. The things that we do here for God, you can do in heaven, except for one thing. Can you worship in heaven? Yeah. Can you love each other in heaven? Yes. Can you serve God in heaven? Yes. Can you worship and sing praise to God in heaven? Can you glorify Him? Yes. What can't you do in heaven? You can't win anybody else to Christ in heaven. So there is somebody out there that you're supposed to tell. You're supposed to tell them about Christ. God has left you here because somebody needs to know Christ through you in a way that nobody else can do it. I can't share Christ with them the way you can. God has you here for a very specific reason. He's got a job for you to do. You're not insignificant. You're not inconsequential. You're not small. You're not little. In fact, the Bible says little is much when God is in it. So even when you're small, God can send you. And even when you're wrong, God can guard you. This is also in verse or chapter 12, Genesis 12, 10. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say, you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dwelt well with Abram. Now, I got three problems with this story. I think there are at least three wrongs here. The first wrong is with Pharaoh himself, the king of Egypt. It's like, man, i got a hard enough time keeping one woman happy, and you're going to have a harem with like 10 or 15 or 20? That's just stupid, okay? That's wrong. Second, Abraham. Abraham, you're coughing up your wife to some dude's harem? I mean, your job is to protect your wife, to guard your wife, to take care of your wife, and you're tossing her into this guy's harem. Seriously. I got a problem with that. 
And third, I don't think this wrong is as bad as Pharaoh's and Abraham's, but Sarai could have said, Abraham, you have done some dumb things as a husband, but this is the dumbest. What are you thinking? This is crazy. Absolutely not. I'm not going along with your hair-brained plan. No. Not going to sin. Not doing it. Now what's fascinating is we got a lot of wrongs going here, but God protects even in the midst of the wrong. Look at verse 17. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And somehow Pharaoh connected the dots between the plagues and bringing this new woman into his harem. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? And why did you say she's my sister? So I took her from my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. What's fascinating is Abraham actually got richer through this deal, and Sarah was protected. I think this is important. Some of us in this room, we've done some wrong things. We've done some bonehead things. We've done some knucklehead things, right? And we've done some things that are just flat out sinful and wicked. We've been in the wrong. And it's not okay. There's no excuse here to go ahead and be that, to do that. Because you reap what you sow more than you sow later than you sow. And sin will always make you pay more than you want to pay. And it'll always take you further than you want to go. So there's no excuse for that. But God in His grace protects us from some of the negative consequences of our knuckleheadedness. I think that's amazing. I mean, in other words, if you reaped all that you should sow from all of your sin, we'd all be fried right now. But God in His grace protects us. Because God in His grace has future plans for us. So you might be still limited in some way because of past behavior, past sin, past wrongs. But God's not finished with you yet. And some of you, you've done some bad things. And you're saying, hey, Rick, man, if you knew how wrong I've been, if you knew how dark I've lived, if you knew the stuff that I've done that's really bad, you would say, no, no, God couldn't use you. I'm saying, no, the only people that God can use to accomplish His purposes on this planet are people who have done wrong. I mean, there's only one person who didn't do wrong. His name is Jesus. The rest of us, we're wrongdoers. God guards us, protects us from some of the damage that we could have caused to ourselves, to others. And He goes, I've still got a plan for your life. I still want to use you. Even when we're wrong, God can grow us, guard us, bless us. And even when we're mean, God can bless us. Now, some of you are going, I don't like the fact that you're a guy and you're calling this woman mean. That's mean. For you to call her mean. Well, I didn't, Invent that word, okay? I was in a prayer meeting the other Wednesday morning at 6 o'clock, and one of the women in our prayer group 
when she heard I was talking about Sarah, said this about Sarah. She was mean. So you can blame a woman for calling her mean, not me. All right? Here we go. Genesis 16, verse 1. You'll see why she's mean. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abraham had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when he saw that she had conceived, when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. So Hagar is now looking with contempt on Sarai. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I just think that's kind of jacked up, right? It's like, no, it was your idea, Sarah. Uh, anyway, I gave my servant to your embrace, and when the, she saw that she had conceived, she looked with me, looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarah, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarah dealt harshly or meanly with her, and she fled from her. So this is like a trusted servant, and the servant's like doing what they said to do, and now Sarah's treating her harshly. Later in the story, a few years later, Sarah actually sends out Hagar with her boy into the wilderness to be attacked by wild animals, to die of starvation, to die of thirst. I mean, any way you slice it, that's just mean. Now, She's mean, yes, but guess what? God is still going to bless the world through her. Now, some of you in this room, you've just been mean, right? Let's just say it. You've hurt somebody. You've been bitter and resentful and angry. Maybe you fired somebody you shouldn't have fired. Maybe you've talked about somebody behind their back you shouldn't have. Maybe you've just cut somebody off from your life. You never should have done it. And you've sent somebody out away from you going, I don't care what happens to you. And you know in your heart, that's just not right. And then when you're challenged in a service like this to go on mission or to start a ministry or to do something for God, you kind of go, you know, that I can't do it because... I know me. I'm mean. I'm hard-hearted. God could never use me. I'm saying if God could use mean old Sarah, God can use you. Even when we're mean, God can bless us. And even when we doubt, God can grow us. Now, Sarah is in the Faith Hall of Fame. But to me, she's more famous for her doubt than she is for her faith. Because we're going to see her laugh in this story, but it's not a, a joyful laugh. It's not a happy laugh. It's a cynic's laugh. It's a skeptic's laugh. Look at chapter 18, verse 10. The Lord said, the Lord is now visiting Abraham after promising him for years and years and years that they were going to have a child. 
I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why does Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now what's the answer? All right, I'm going to ask it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? In your life, is anything too hard for the Lord? No. All right, good. At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. It's a big deal, this laugh, because it's a cynic's laugh. It's a doubter's laugh. And I can understand how she could come by this. I mean, think about it. God had promised Abraham decades and decades and decades before that he and Sarah would have a son. And so, you know, her hopes are, are, are built up. I've got to have a baby. And she waits for weeks and months and years and decades and no baby. And God promises again and no baby. God promises again and no baby. In fact, the scholars say seven times God made these promises. And so Sarah's probably thinking, you know, fool me once, twice, three, four, five, six times. Shame on you. Fool me a seventh time? Shame on me. So she laughs. She doubts. And that's where some of you are. You, you, maybe you've uh, gotten a promise from God about something. A prodigal coming home. A better job, better career. Uh, a spouse. And you've so you've, God, I thought you said, you know, I felt in my spirit you energized this verse, and I thought you were going to do something great, but, you know, it's like nothing's happening. And so maybe you became like Sarah, who believed in God, but didn't believe God. That's right where a lot of us live. I believe in God. Hey, I'm here. I'm at church, right? But do you believe God? It's a big difference. And something happened for Sarah that she actually began to believe God. We don't know exactly what it is. There's a gap between chapter 18 where she laughs, a skeptic's laugh, and 21 where the birth of the baby happens. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 11, that by faith she conceived. Not by a doubter's laugh she conceived. Something happened that she began to believe she began to trust. She developed a personal relationship with God that changed everything. She grew. And I want to say if you're here today and you're a doubter and you feel like God can't use you because you have all these doubts about His nature, His character, and you've kind of given up on Him, He hasn't given up on you. And He wants to grow your faith. And he wants to trust you, to trust him, to accomplish things that you never dreamed possible. Even when we doubt, God can grow us. And finally, even when we're old, God can use us. And that's what happens in chapter 21. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and 
The Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. That's my prayer for you too. That the Lord will visit you in some way as he has said. And that he will do for you in some way as he has promised. Verse 2. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac, which means he laughs. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. That's why she called him Isaac. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? The Lord. (laughs) Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. I love this. The cynic's laugh becomes a faith-filled laugh, a joyous laugh. The non-happy laugh becomes a happy laugh. That's the way it is with God. Because God shows up and He comes through and He always keeps His word. Now, this was late. But a delay is not a denial. And some of you here, you've been hanging on, hoping that God would come through I'm saying just keep hoping, keep trusting, keep following, keep abiding, keep worshiping, keep growing, and watch God do for you what you never thought possible. Now, some of you are here and you're skeptics. You're going, oh, come on. A hundred-year-old man being a dad? Are you kidding me? And you kind of are skeptical about the Bible about this this whole business. And I get that. And I respect that. But let me tell you a reason why I believe this. First of all, I believe it's a miracle. This doesn't happen every day, right? This is a miracle. God intervened. He put away the laws of nature that He has instituted. And He said, I'm going to do something special here. God has the prerogative to do that because He's God. But what's fascinating is Jesus Christ came to this planet, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, was buried, three days later, rose from the grave. The evidence for that, I think, is pretty compelling. You can study that. And to me, it's like, if God can do that, then I don't have a problem believing God can do this. Plus, Jesus himself believed these Old Testament stories, and if the guy who died and came back to life believed this stuff, then I just do too. That's the way it makes sense to me. And plus, I just want to say this. These stories about this story about Sarah actually makes me believe it more. It, it's like a proof that the Bible is really a real book. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? If I were writing stories about the he- heroes of the faith, I wouldn't air all their dirty laundry like this does. This is real stuff. This sounds like real life. It sounds kind of bizarre, yes, but you can't make this up. And it's one of the reasons why I trust the Bible. It's because the heroes don't look so good. To me, it adds to credibility the whole thing. Now, she's old, but she gives birth. And some of us here, you're 50, 60, 70, 80, maybe somebody in the room is 90. I got a 90-year-old mom. And you go, you know what? I put in my time. I worked in there. I changed one too many diapers already. I've gone on the mission trips already. 
I've written a lot of big checks. I'm done. I'm going to put my feet up and I'm going to retire till Jesus comes. Now, I believe in taking retirement. So if you're going to get a check from the government, go ahead and get it. But I don't believe in retiring. Sometimes people say, hey, Pastor Rick, how are you doing in your retirement? And if you ever see steam coming out of my ears, it's that. It's like, are you kidding me? As long as there's one lost soul out there, we don't retire. We keep moving for Christ, right? So take your retirement, but don't you ever retire because you're never too old for God to use you. My, my mother is in a, a, a nursing home. She, she stayed in our home for about five and a half years. Uh, and recently she's taken a little bit of a decline. Now it takes two people to transfer her. And we just made the decision this, this past week that she's not coming back to our home. It's a very difficult decision to make. 93 years old. She's a stroke patient. Can't move the left side. She can't really get out of bed without assistance. But guess what? She's a bright light in that place. The staff like coming in to hear her down home, mini pearl humor. Um, jokes I've heard 125 times. But she'll, she'll, she's got a routine. And she's a light in that place. And I, you know, God's not done with us until he takes us home. So you're not too old for God to use. There's something more. That's why he left you here. And by the way, you're not too young for God to use either. All right, so we got five things up there. Small, wrong, mean, doubting, and old. Here's what I want you to do. Now, I'm an introvert. I hate it when I go to church and somebody says, hey, turn and talk to somebody. I hate that. Uh, but Pastor Chad said I had to do this, so I'm going to do it. Um, no, he, I'm teasing. He didn't. Um, what I want you to do is I want you to look at that list, and I want you to turn to somebody close to you. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to, okay? Nobody's making you. But if you would just say, this is the one that I identify with the most, and here's why. Can you just go ahead and share that with each other? Ready, set, go. Thank you. Some of you have been taking notes, and you've seen in the notes, there's kind of like a heart. And I want to draw one here, because what you said earlier is like, these are the things in our hearts. 
These are the things that kind of keep us from taking the risks for God that we need to take. And there's all kinds of things in our hearts that we use to disqualify ourselves from taking risks for God. But what's amazing is God wants to take those disqualifiers and actually make them qualifiers. It says in 2 Corinthians, I praise God for my weaknesses and my distresses and my difficulties and my persecutions for Christ's sake. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Now, you're not strong by yourself. You're strong because you're connected to Christ. Now, what's fascinating is when Sarah laughed because of the word of God, the promise of God, you're going to have a baby in your old age, there was a person visiting Abraham. And most Bible scholars would say this is a theophany. Theos, God, phanos, an appearance. This is an appearance of God in the Old Testament. So now, who is it that shows up in the Old Testament? A pre-incarnate visitation from Christ, the second person of the Godhead. That dude that made the promise wasn't a dude at all. It was God in the flesh. It was Jesus before he was born as a baby. The eternal second person of the Trinity had come to visit and make a promise. And so to me, <laughs> all the benefits of Christ were applied to Sarah's life. Somehow she laughed at first but became to believe later in Christ. Now just as we look back to the work of Christ, they had to look forward to the work of Christ. Just as we don't understand everything fully, they didn't understand everything fully, but all the benefits of the crucifixion, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, and ascending the Holy Spirit came into her life like a flood. And she was able to believe. And so, her smallness, it's not a big deal. Because God is great. And when I'm connected to Him, I'm sendable. Because He's so big in me and through me. Uh, yeah, I've been wrong. But guess what? He's righteous. And, and all of His righteousness is given to me. And therefore, I'm protected. Yes, I've been mean. But He is kind. And all of His kindness is, is for me and can flow through me. And therefore, I'm blessed. Yes, I doubted. But God never doubted me because He is faithful. And therefore, He's helping me grow. Yes, I'm old. But this ancient of days is eternally young because he's infinite and perfect and unchangeable in every way. And so therefore, I can be useful. And all of your disqualifiers here, I'm too poor. Yeah. But he's rich. And he'll give you what you need when you have it to do what he's asking you to do. I don't have enough knowledge well, that might be true, but you're connecting to an infinite God who is omniscient. He's got everything for you. And He'll give you what you need to say at the moment you need to say it. I don't have enough strength. 
But when you're weak, then you're strong. You see what happened? The cross of Christ, the power of Christ, the work of Christ just undoes everything and it makes the disqualified qualified. And that's, that's the gospel. That's the good news. So why don't we just go on and say, we're just messed up people. The 11 o'clock service is a lot more messed up than 8.15 and 9.30. <laughs> I'm not kidding. No. <laughs> Your list is a lot worse than their list. <laughs> You're just more awake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here's what I'd like for us to do is close in prayer. Here's how we'll do it. A little differently today than normal, okay? If you, have, if you tend to disqualify yourself because you think you're too small, you're too insignificant, you're too inconsequential, would you, would you please stand? If that's you, would you just please stand? All right. If you've disqualified yourself because... You think you're too wrong, that you've made too many mistakes, you've committed too many sins. Would you please stand? If you've disqualified yourself because you tend to think, you know, I'm just like a mean person, I'm mean-spirited. Now, if you husbands elbow your wife on that, (laughs) you're stupid. That's just stupid. (laughs) Would you stand, all you mean people? How about doubting? You're a laugher. You're a skeptic. You're a cynic. I I just don't believe that the promises apply to me. Would you stand? How about... uh, I'm too old. (laughs) I'm too old. Maybe too young. Would you stand? And you know what? We got some more up here, right? I'm inexperienced. Fear. Time. Most of us should be standing by now. We're going to have a prayer on the screen. And usually we don't do a prayer in unison here, but let's do this one today, okay? Let's just say this together out loud. Dear Lord, we come to you in a broken way. We've not lived lives of faith. We've taken many things into our own hands and created problems for us and those around us. We've been wrong and even mean. We are sinners. Yet we know you love us. You sent your son to die on a cross in our place to pay for our sins so we could be forgiven. Thank you. Now, through the power of Jesus' resurrection, please fill us with your Holy Spirit. Send us, guard us, bless us, grow us, and use us. In some small way, please bless the world through us. We want to be risk takers for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I add to this prayer. You have shown us that Sarah's disqualifiers didn't disqualify her. And because of your grace, our disqualifiers shouldn't disqualify us either. In fact, because of your grace, our disqualifiers qualify us. Because your greatness outshines our smallness, your righteousness outshines our wrongness, your loving kindness that's new every morning outshines our oldness. So help us to take risks for you. Spiritual, relational, conversational, financial risks. 
And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, if you were here and you've said, man, that prayer, I've never prayed anything like that before. Never really given my heart to Christ like that before. In your program, there's a place you can tear it off. You can check a box and say, yeah, I've received Christ as my personal Savior today. Put it in the offering basket. We'd love to help you grow as a risk taker for Christ. Pastor Chad said this a few weeks ago. You need to shake off the old. The old lies, the past failures, the past accomplishments. You can't start a new chapter if you're still reading the old one. Right? Let it go, people. Let it go. And let's do some great things for God. Here we go.